0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello everyone, welcome to Tianta Hillem. We are on to Parak Tzadik Dalit, chapter 94. And I'm really looking forward to teaching all of you two amazing tools that are going to be very helpful for you, Ritz Hashem, um, and we're going to focus on how to see the good in our challenges, and also we're going to discover a way of uprooting the difficult patterns that keep on presenting themselves in our lives. Very often we have a recurring issue that seems to have been going on since we're younger, like a certain type of relationship that I'm always getting into, or a certain problem that I'm always encountering. What is that about? Why do people have those specific issues that keep on knocking on their door? So I want to offer you a great way of discovering what's behind it, what the root of those issues are, so that we can change them and step out of those old destructive patterns. The parak that we're doing, just as an overview, the theme of the parak is Tzadik Viralo, Rasha Vitovlo. It's going to shed light on this conundrum, on this idea that Even though we know our God is full of justice, we see, when we look around us, we see that there are good people who are suffering and there are bad people in the world who are doing really well, who are prospering and having great lives, going on vacations, having beautiful families. So what's pshat, right? What's going on here? Why is this the case? Now, I'm going to assume that most of us here listening are above having to know the answer to this, right? We have a certain level of amunapshuta where we understand, it's a given, that we're not going to be able in our limited, with our very limited human minds, we're just not going to be able to understand everything that Hashem does, far from it. And we made peace with that, and we surrender to it. But LaMaisa, there are answers to this question that are given out there. So let's be, you know, let's figure out what they are, understand them, so that in case we ever do need a little boost in our amuna, or in case somebody ever comes to ask us any questions, or you venture out into the world of Kirov and you have some questions to answer, you'll know what to say. So here's the three things we're going to be focusing on in this class. Number one, why good things happen to bad people. According to the myth of Mel Rav Dessler Zatzal gives two explanations that I'm going to give over to you. Number two, how can we understand the negative things that happen to good people? Okay, And what, like, what's that about? And in what way are those quote-unquote negative things really very helpful and beneficial to us? And the third thing we're going to discuss is we're going to find a way of uprooting the root core issues that are fueling these recurring problems in our life. And I'm going to, we're going to discover that towards the end. There's going to be a Pasuk that's going to help us do that. So let's look into parak Tzadik Dalet, Pasuk Aleph. Kel Hashem. We're asking Hashem here to please take full revenge on all of our enemies. He not shofet Please restore judgment to the land. We need you. We need you to rise up and judge the earth and give these bad people what they deserve. Pasuk Gimel says, Ad Masai Hashem, Ad Yalozu. We're saying, how long? How long are you going to show your... Merciful name of Yirkei Vavke are Rishayim going w- Until when are you going to show this name of Hashem, this Rachamim, to the wicked Admasay Rishayim Yalozu? Until when are we going to see that there is Olah somehow to rejoice and to have a good life? Why is it that we're seeing them having prosperous and happy lives? Why does Hashem give the wicked good things in their life? So Rav Dessar explains that we say every day in davening <laughs> Hoseach Esyadecha Umaspi Alecha What does Hashem give us? He satiates us. He gives us our raton. He gives us our desire. He gives us that which we want. And so why do the wicked have good things happening to them? Because what does a wicked person want at his core? How does he want his reward to be for his things that he does right? He doesn't want to wait. He, He wants instant gratification. He wants his reward to be with the things that he loves, with the material, physical parts of this world. That's how he wants his schar to be. And so Hashem is just simply giving him what he wants. And because he wants his reward in this world, unfortunately, in the next world, where the reward is eternal and infinitely greater than the reward in this world, he's going to miss out. Right? But a, a person who's, you know, a tzaddik, is going to want his reward in a spiritual sense, and so his reward is going to be in the next world, and he's going to want to spend his time in this world growing and becoming better. So this explains the concept. You know, it's not just, it's interesting because it's not just like, oh, Hashem decides the tzaddik gets rewarded in the next world, and the Rasha gets rewarded in this world. It's actually, we decide. <laughs> Hashem looks at us, like we always say, and decides what's our ratzon, what's our real desire, and... That's how he ends up rewarding us and that's why we're seeing that the wicked people are being rewarded in this world, because that's what they really want. They want to be rewarded in this world. So for the for whatever things they do do right, this is where they're being rewarded. And the second answer that Dessler brings is he explains that we every one of us has a Hara and a Yetzir Tov. Now our Yetzirhara is convincing our tol our good inclination, is there to convince us to do things that are the truth. So it doesn't need a lot of backing. It doesn't need to illustrate things or bring evidence because the truth resonates with all of us. And so it's, it's, it feels right for us. So it has an easy time. It has an easier time. It doesn't need help. But the or Hara needs to be able to illustrate, needs to be able to bring evidence and proof to us that, look, you see, you could do bad and still have a great life. It needs, quote unquote, a shop window, like Rev Zessler says. Like, it needs to be able to have a showcase, to show us all of the proof that you could do the wrong thing and still have a great life. And so, therefore, the Risha'im are going to have, a lot of Risha'im are going to enjoy life, are going to have it good down here, just so that the Yetzirah could have a way to convince us to do the wrong thing. So, they'll be, they'll, their whole existence, basically, is to be an ally and to help out the Yetzirah. So, definitely, they're gonna, you know, they're for sure gonna get punished for that uh, later on. Pasuk Dalit. Yabiu Yadabru Asak. They speak Asak. What's Asak? Asak is from the word Atik, ancient. What is, like, I, I happen to use this word a lot when I talk about things that are like, old-fashioned, and they don't apply, and like, we used to think that they were right, but now we know that they're absurd, I I use the word antiquated, I talk about different, you know, different chinuch things that I find to be, you know, that are still happening now, that were things that we're still teaching our children, or things, ideas that are still circulating, that are really not true, and they came about in the wrong way, and they're just lingering there, I say those are antiquated ideas, antiquated beliefs. So, you know, Bar Hashem, overall, we're doing great on the Chinuch area, but there's certain things, I'm not going to get into it now in this class, there's certain things that I, I look at and I say, that like that, we're, why is that still around, right? It's not true. So, what are they saying? Yadabru Asak, they're speaking antiquated things that are not true. What are those antiquated things that are not true that they're speaking? In Pasuk Zion, we're going to see, Vayomru, they say, what are they saying? Lo Yireka. They're saying Hashem does not see us and Hashem has no clue what's going on in our life. The Chafetz Chaim explains that actually he taught that the modern inventions of technology that were developed in recent generations, the spiritual intention behind them was so that we could actually really connect with the idea and see and appreciate that there's a divine sovereign in the world that controls everything that even though we don't see him he sees us and he knows everything that we're doing so for example take the telephone the fact that we're able to talk and somebody across the world who we can't even see can hear everything that we're saying is demonstrating that just because you can't see Hashem doesn't mean that he doesn't see and hear and know everything about you the end of pasachas says masai taskilu. Fools. Aksil is a fool. Fools, when are you going to take heed? When are you going to listen already? What's aksil? Aksil is a person, he's called a fool. But he's really very smart. He's really very capable of understanding and knowing everything. But what does he do? He hides himself. He conceals himself from the truth. Because he knows that once he learns the truth, there's going to be demands made on him that he's going to have to discipline himself and he's going to have to work hard and he doesn't want to. So we're saying, Ksil, when are you going to gain the wisdom that's already so readily available to you? Like, it's right here. Like, all you need to do is want to have it. Like, when are, when are you going to chak already? Pasuk test. Hanote ozen, hello, Yishma, and yoter ayin, hello, Yabit. Shall he who implants the ear not hear, he who forms the eye not see? So we're explaining why these ideas of the Russia are so. Asak, they're so antiquated, they're so not true, they're so absurd. We're saying here, Hashem, Hanota Ozen, the one who implanted our ear, the one who fashioned the organ of man, the ear of man. <clears throat> Is it possible that, Halo Yishma, that he can't hear? Im Yotzer Ayin, the one who fashioned our eyes, could it be, Halo Yabet, that he can't see? Like, this doesn't make any bit of sense. Pasavav, Hayos Ergayim, Halo yokhiach. The one who dis- who disciplines and who punishes the nations, is he not going to punish you as well? Like, are you silly enough to think that, that the God who brought the marble to the world and who overturns the dome, right? You've seen all the ways that he's punished people. But you, you're going to be putter from that? Like, what, it's not going to, that's not going to apply to you? Like, what are you thinking, right? So when we look at Pasuk Yudbis, we're saying, Asher hagever asher ti Happy is the man who Hashem is disciplining, who Hashem is giving Yisurim to. Yisurim are challenges that are created specifically designed to help us grow and become better people. So we're saying here, we spoke about the Rishayim and how they claim that Hashem doesn't see or hear them. And here we're like contrasting ourselves and we're saying not only do we live with Hashem in our life and know that He hears and sees everything that we do, But we're also living on such a lofty level of emuna that we're able to actually see that even if I'm in pain from a struggle that I'm going through, I know in my heart of hearts that I'm really, it's really ashri hagever, that it's really, it's, I'm lucky and I, I should, I should be happy for whatever I'm dealing with now because I know it's designed to take me to great places. A person who's really attuned and really careful in their life. To not let challenges just pass them by and to use them to grow and to become better is really able to look back and to see how their greatest challenges ended up becoming the greatest contributors to who they are today and to who they want to ultimately become. So I want to offer all of us a way of getting to this place where we could really see benefit in our challenges. And the way we do this is by asking ourselves a question. It seems like a simple question, but a lot of us are going to have a lot of resistance to asking ourselves this question. The question is, in what way is the challenge that I'm going through benefiting me? How is it helping me? How is it good for me? Now, you might ask me, why on earth, y'all, are you telling me to do this? This is insane, right? How could you, this is such an insensitive thing to ask me to do. And my answer to you is that I'm not telling you to do this because I'm mean and because I don't care. The reason why we should do this is because it actually helps the challenge pass. You see, once we make peace with it because we see what it's offering us, we stop suffering so much and we get to a better feeling state. And when we're in a better feeling state and we're not resisting the challenges that are coming our way, they're able to wash over us. They're able to pass. We're, we're actually able to face them with better ideas and better ways of handling them and attract better things into our life. And so I'm offering this idea to all of us. In fact, in my career as a life coach, I'm finding that this is one of the major things that I do for people. I help them see how their challenges are serving them. And it's so powerful, like I said, because it draws better things into our life, because when we're in a better feeling state, we draw better things in, and we're able to handle our challenges better, and when we're actually using our challenges for the reasons that they're there for to begin with, right, I'm, I'm growing through it, then we're able to move on, the challenges pass, and we go up to bigger and better things. So just to give you an example, that's something that would, you know, with something that would come up a lot, often people complain that other people are mistreating them. So let's take a case study of a person who comes in and says, um, y'all, everybody is mistreating me. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, or this specific person is making me feel low about myself, It's hurting my feelings over and over again. So I would ask, in what way is that person actually benefiting you? And we would look at all the different areas of their life, physical, emotional, social, their family life, their work life, their spiritual life, Every part of their life, how is it benefiting you in all these areas? So, first of all, right, I would say, like, would you be here? Would you be talking to a coach and doing all this introspective hard work if not for this challenge that this other person brought you, if not for them hurting your feelings? And they would say, probably not, right? Or, or, or this was a major contributor to why I showed up here to begin with. So, right away, off the bat, right, it's we have it's so clear that this other person. The challenge that this other person brought them is benefiting them because now they're doing the difficult work of looking inside themselves and seeing what needs what needs attention. And we explore how what might happen as a result of this other person being mean to you. Maybe is it possible that your self-esteem will finally get the attention that it deserves because in order to be able to cope with another person's put downs, you have to get to a stronger place within yourself. And what happens when your self-esteem increases? How is that going to affect your life in all these positive ways? How is it going to affect your social life and your career and your Shadokim prospects and your family relationships? How is strengthening your self-esteem good for you? And what about other things that once you're here... What, what that we might be working on, right? What other things might you learn to do? Might you gain new coping skills for how to deal with difficult emotions or difficult people in better ways? Maybe you'll end up healing. Could it be that you'll end up healing parts of yourself that never got your attention before and now you'll be able to take your life to new levels, right? And we've been explore how does this challenge affect your relationship with Hashem, your spirituality? What me what character traits might you be improving in the process? We would look at their physical health and their self-care. Are you maybe learning to give yourself more compassion and to take care of yourself better because of all the stress that you're dealing with? And this could go on and on and on and on and on. So we have to recognize that, of course, if we're going through a tough time, we're right away seeing the bad about it. negative parts about it but if we actually sit down and ask the question what are the benefits of this challenge we would definitely have many many things to put down. So this whole topic I actually already taught it in Parakuf in chapter 100 in Tehillim. It's not on Torah anytime yet but you can go to my website yalbertram.com if you want to hear more on this because this is very important uh, and go back to that class and you can listen to some more great ideas on this topic. Um, but yeah, definitely it's something that we should all keep in mind if we're going through something difficult. How is Ashri HaGevar Asherti Asrenuka? How is that true? How is it true that this challenge really is something that makes me lucky? that That is something that I should really even be happy about. Let's move on to Pasuk Yagimel in our parak here. So we're saying, lucky is the person who has to deal with Yusurim, who goes through challenges in life. Because, you know, besides for all the benefits that we just said, he's going to experience in this world, um, it's going to also quiet down the fires of Gehenna. He's going to have sheket. He's going to have peace and quiet and tranquility and enjoyment in the next world. And Rev. Destler speaks at length about the reward that a person gets in the next world. And he talks about how all the pleasure and happiness that are experienced by all the generations of men, from the beginning of creation until the end of time, if you were to take all of the experiences of joy and pleasure from every single human being throughout all the generations and give it all to one person at one moment, that experience of pleasure that that person would have at that moment couldn't even come close to the to ruach, to the aroma, to the smell of the pleasure that's in the world to come. So let's keep this in mind as well, right? Besides for all the benefits that we spoke about, you know, how, it's, how our challenges benefit our life in this world in such tangible, real ways, let's also keep in mind that our schar, our reward in the next world is going to be inconceivably incredible, something that we can't even fathom, um, and we can, keep our, we can keep our focus on that as well. At the end of Pasuk Chaf, we read Yotzer Amal Aleichok. We're talking here again about the wicked, and you know, as we end off the parak, we're again going back to our original idea that Hashem should take revenge, nakama, on our enemies, and we're explaining that what's so bad about wicked people? We're saying what do they do? Yotzer Amal. They take their amal, their misdeeds. They take all the bad things, the crooked things that they do. And they make it into a chok. They make it into a rule, a law. What comes to mind here is during World War II, when there was like a mitzvah, like it became a mitzvah to kill Jews. This idea of Judenrein and cleansing the world of Jews, and it became like this value, this glorified value, not just a value, but something that like, if you don't do it and you hide a Jew in your house, then you could get killed, right? Like you had, it's like you must kill Jews. So... You know, this is what wicked people do. They take bad things and they make it into good things. They're so crooked. So I just want to take this idea of this concept of taking crooked things and making them into rules and laws. And I want to just show us how even the best, even not wicked people, even great people do this without even realizing it. Obviously, we're not talking about you know, terrible, awful things. But even on a way, way smaller level, on a way smaller level, we do this in our life. And here are some examples of rules that we use to govern our life. Things that we picked up, ideals, values, that we ended up, that, that became so strong inside of us, they end up governing everything that we do, and we don't even realize it. So here's some examples, and then I'm going to give you a process to help you to use this whole concept to help you throughout your life. So people, very common ones are, for example, if I wanna be a good mother, then I need to make sure my kids are always happy. Like that could be the rule that I'm living by. A good mother, makes sure that her kids never cry, that they're always happy, right? It doesn't sound so balanced because children can't always be so happy. And yet we walk around sometimes with these rules and they govern what we do and they govern the way our relationship works with our children and i'm going to show you some examples of that soon another example i'm not worthy unless i'm rich or beautiful or skinny or in a relationship or dot 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 dot, right we have like these these our worthiness is almost like locked up in a safe with this like complex combination and only if i figure out the combination code to this safe will i get the worthiness We don't realize, but we set those rules for ourselves. Another one, if someone asks me for something, I can't say no unless I have uh, an emergency. Unless there's a really pressing reason for me to say no, I can't say no to what this person, you know, to someone else asking me to do them a favor. So I'm going to take you through a process to figure out what your rules are that could be governing your life and creating patterns of negative things happening for you over and over. So here we go. So there's three steps here. Number one, Obviously, you're going to identify the area of your life that you're having difficulty with, and you're going to ask yourself, right, what could be fueling, what rule, what chok could be fueling this issue in my life? What is my rule around this? And when we uncover the rule, just doing that in itself is so freeing because it takes away its power. It's exposed now, so it it can't control you the way it used to control you. I'm going to give you examples of this in a minute. Let me just go through the three steps. So ask yourself, what rule could be fueling this issue in my life? What rule do I have around this whole topic? Number two, you then, you know, you write down the rule. You realize what your rule is, you write it down, and you ask yourself, is this serving me? Now that I wrote it down, I can look at it objectively and decide, is this rule something that's good for my emotional, mental, spiritual well-being, or is it taking away from my life? If it's causing you grief, it's probably not serving you. So that's step two. And the third step is either decide that, you know, if the rule is serving you, okay, so I'm keeping the rule. Sometimes it is a good rule that's serving us. But if the rule is not serving you, then you want to change it. And that would be step three. So let's go through some examples, like similar to the examples that I gave you before of those common rules that people have. So let's say somebody tells me, my kids are not listening to me. I tell them to eat supper, they're going outside to play. I tell them to go to sleep, they start a pillow fight. I tell them to stop talking back to me, and they have a response even to that, right? What, what, like, what am I supposed to do? My kids, they just don't listen to me, right? So I would ask, what could be the rule? What rule do you have about parenting? What rule do you have about disciplining your children that could be fueling this? And like I said earlier, their rule could be, if I want to be a good mother, I need to make sure my kids are always happy, right? If a person, could you see how if a mother has this rule running inside of her, how it would end up creating a situation where she's having a hard time disciplining her kids because if she, if she's really serious that they have to go to bed, they're not going to like it. They're not going to be happy, right? So inside, she's really not in her power. Because she feels that she can't really assert her power because then her kids won't be happy. So she would need to change it, right? Clearly it's not working. So she would change her rule to something like, something that maybe sounds like, to be an effective mother, I have to accept the fact that my kids are not always going to like everything that I do. And that's okay, right? She would change her rule to something that would enable her to be the powerful, balanced mother that she wants to be. Another example, let's say a person is having a hard time finding friends or finding a shirach, they're feeling lonely, they're feeling rejected, what could be the rule? Maybe the rule is, like we said earlier, I'm not worthy unless I am blank, unless I have this complex combination code to this safe, unless I'm skinny or rich or in a relationship or whatever, I have a certain color hair or any crazy thing that they're you know, equating with their worth. So is and they, step two, is this serving me? Clearly not, right? It's it's never going to serve us to pin our worth on something that we don't have right now or that we're going to have to work our tail off to get or that we may or may not ever have. That's not serving us. So what would she change it to? She would have to create a new rule, a new chok. And the rule would be, I am worthy exactly as I am right now and nothing can change that. And if she lives by that rule, then she's going to see a very big difference in her ability to attract people into her life and to have a happy life. Now, these rules, these changes, right? We're not going to be on board. Let's not kid ourselves. We've been telling ourselves the opposite for so long that I'm not worthy. We're not just automatically going to believe I'm worthy no matter what all of a sudden now because you told me to, right? But that's why we're calling these things rules. Because when it comes to a rule, right? When a principal sets a rule in a school, she puts a new rule. No one's going to want it. Everyone's going to be rebelling, right? It's a new rule. It's something new. Nobody likes that. Nobody believes in that. But that's why it's a rule, right? I don't care if you like it. It's there anyway. So that's the attitude that we're going to have here when we're putting these rules into our life. It doesn't matter if you agree or you don't agree. You can make a decision to impose a new rule in your life. My new rule about the way I view myself is that I am worthy and perfect exactly the way I am right now. And nothing can take away from my current value. That doesn't mean, now that doesn't mean that we don't want to change and grow, but it all has to come from that belief, right? As a side note, you know, I deal with, I work with a lot of people who are so growing, so motivated, so amazing. I always remind them, let's just stop. Let's not forget. We're not, we can't be growing from the rule that I'm not good unless I get to a certain place. The rule that has to fuel our growth is that I am valuable and worthy no matter what. Right. That's the basis. That's where you have to start from there. You, of course, I'm worthy of, of becoming the best person I could be. Right. That test. That has to be your attitude. Not that I have to change and be different because I'm not good enough. OK, but I'm going off on a tangent here. I just want to give you one other example for how to use this process to change your life. Um, a person, let's say, who will say, you know, everybody's always been taking advantage of me. I'm always the one who has to make the Hanukkah party. I'm always the one who has to do the carpool. I'm always the one that feels guilty for not stepping in to host the, uh, you know, whoever it is that needs to be hosted in the family. I'm always the one. Why is it always me? So what the rule there could be, what's the rule? If somebody asks me for something, I can't say no, unless I have a pressing reason to say no. If somebody's living by that rule, guess what? Everybody's gonna figure that out very quickly and they're gonna be the one who is constantly uh gonna be called upon to do all these amazing fun tasks. So she might need to change her rule to you know something like when I stay true to what I can or can't do, then that's the that's how I stay true to that's how I can respect myself while also being an even more genuine and altruistic giver. Because that is the truth, right? When we stay true to ourselves and we, we don't, you know, negate our boundaries and we honor our limits, then we can give to other people in bigger and better ways because we're really bringing our true authentic self to the table and we're not going to get to a place of resentment. So there's another example. So those were three examples of how we could use this process to uncover what is my rule to decide if I want, to, if I want it to stick around or if I want to change it and how to change it. And again, it doesn't, the new rule doesn't have to resonate with you. It's a rule that you're going to impose on yourself, and it's going to change your life. So in conclusion, we spoke today about the reasons that wicked people prosper. And we spoke about why our challenges are so valuable and beneficial to us, and how we could tap into this value and benefit by asking ourselves the question, how is this challenge serving me? How is it making my life better? Um, and we said how this is going to not only put us in a better mood, but it's going to take us out of our challenges and draw better things into our life. And we also spoke about uncovering the crooked values and ideals that we set up for ourselves inadvertently as rules, which govern our life, and we said that we should identify the rule, we should determine if it's helping us, and if it's not helping us, we should change it, or even consider dropping it. I wish all of us a lot of hakslacha practicing these very important, life skills. Thank you so much for listening.